and I want to I put you on that mission. Is that all right? I had a young lady come to me during the appreciation, and she said, you said we were going to have missions. Uh, when are we going to do missions? And I said, well, I want you to meet the gentleman through whom we're going to come. And, and the, there she was right there meeting none other, none other than our speaker this morning. He's an awesome man. He really is. He's a, a real dad, a serious father, a husband. And God has used him in a mighty way in his nation. I can't wait for you to go with, come with me. He has great respect among the people because of the anointing he carries. And I want you to put your hands together and just open the heavens for Bishop, for Apostle Mahoto, Atwell Mahoto. Please come. What an honor. We may be seated. We may be seated. Thank you so much. Greetings to everyone in Jesus' name. Um, thank you again, Bishop, for giving me an honor to, to speak to your people. And also greetings to my mom, First Lady Caroline. Thank you so much. But always when I'm here, I don't feel like I'm a stranger. For those who are few who are seeing me for the first time, please patient with me with my, my South African accent. I will get there. Well, this morning I really have to reiterate the words that Bishop said about the veterans. Those are the people who have put your, this country under protection, who have put their lives in line for you to enjoy the peace that you are. What the Bishop said is true. Go outside of the U.S., you will realize how a lot of people don't like this country. And if it was possible, they would have dealt with this country a long time ago. But because of those who put their lives in line, you are still protected. That's why I want to say to them, I don't know whether you do it here, but I want to salute them. Say thank you. God bless you. Amen. I plan to be very short this morning. I bring you greetings from my wife. I know I've been here for a long, it's almost a third week. Guess what? I'm going back tomorrow. I'm so excited. I'm like a baby. <laughs> I will be spending time with her. I bring greetings to her. Talking of a family. I always... I'm reminded of this guy, it was at a marriage seminar, Bishop, and this guy stood up and he was kind of commenting and he said, if you want to get your marriage together, you guys, I'm giving you an advice. You better listen to your, your, to your wives. He said, you guys, listen to your wives. He said, there's not even one man here who is still staying with his wife who would say the wife doesn't call the shots at home. I mean, everybody was like, he said, not even one. You're all controlled by your wives here. And, and everybody was quiet. He said, I'm serious. All of you, you're controlled by your wives. Let any man who says I'm not controlled by my wife stand up. Not even one. 
All of you are controlled by wives. And while we were still looking around, one guy stood up. And everybody looked at this guy and they started clapping hands. Said, wow. And the MC, I mean, the, the person, the program director said, wow. You must tell us it's your secret. You definitely, you are the only one. You are the only person. And everybody was living there. He said, how do you do it? And the guy said, my wife told me to stand up. <laughs> so I'm going back home. She has to call the shots. It's always a blessing. How many of you have, I mean, I know that some of us or most of us here do favor, love sport, especially football. This country become crazy. I know that um, we are going to be having a big, big event next year here in this city. And, and how many of you are for the, is it the, uh, 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 the, the Cowboys? Oh, oh wow. I, I know some here. Yeah? <laughs> Okay, now with all that said, how many of you who are favoring a certain team and you see your team is going to play with this other team and you say, I am favoring this team, but I want my team to lose? Anybody? We all, when we are faced with any team, we always say, we want to do what? To win. Life is like a game. Today I want to talk to you briefly about how do you stay on top of your game of life? How do you become victorious in all that you do? Our scripture this morning is a nothing, it's a very familiar passage of scripture, which is Psalm 37. We are going to read only two verses. Um, I'm going to read it in my language. Oh, some of you are saying, wow, wow. What language is that? By the way, I can speak Sesotho, which is when I say good morning, I say Dumela. And when I say in Zulu, when I say Saubona. And then in Kosa, we say Molweni. In Afrikaans, we say Huemore. In English, you say good morning. Uh, in Venda, you say Dimachoroni. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So, by the way, I'm talking to Americans here. Understanding the terminology, Americans. Anybody who speaks more than few languages, you say it's a multilingual, am I right? If you speak three, you call that person a trilingual, am I right? If you speak two, it's bilingual. If you speak one, an American. Okay, let's go to the word. Let's go to the word. Psalm 37, verse number 23, says, if you have it with you, let's go to it right now. I'm going to read it in King James. Uh, that was Apostle Paul's version. Okay, let me get it real quick for you, and then we can read it. Or is it already out there? Can I read? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. 
Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. What I'm trying, the verse simply puts it this way. Paul says, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. In other words, if you are the righteous person, if you are in the right standing with God, your life is ordered by him. Even though you fall, but God will pick you up and you'll continue again. In other words, there is no hopelessness to you if you are in line with God. Things may look like they don't go accordingly, but one thing for sure is that God will pick you up and you're going to be on the road again. In other words, when you are right with God, when everybody else thinks that you are done, it's over with you, they do not know that actually is the beginning of great things for your life because you are in the hand of God. God will always pick you up. Now, life is very interesting that life is like a game. As I said, we need to understand in this game that we need to stay on top. How do we become or how do we stay on top? few things that I want to say is that when God created everything, maybe I should start it from there. When God created everything, he had already completed it. Before God started Creating anything, he had already completed it. Do you know that even you, before you were born, God was already done with you and he had already set your path and he already had determined what you're going to be like before you were even born here. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse number 5, the Bible says, which God says to Jeremiah, before you were even born, I chose you to be a prophet to the nation. In other words, before you were even born, before even your parents thought that you're going to be here on earth, God was already done with your path. So your being here actually has got nothing to do with those who brought you to this world. They were just an instrument. It has got everything to do with God because God planned your life before you were even born. Look at the person next to you and say, I am or I was in the mind of God before I was even born. When God created us, he created us for himself. Because when he created us, he created us with his interest in us. He created us and put some interest in us. His interest, not our interest. I don't know whether I'm talking to the right people here. Are you still there? So he created us for himself. That is why everything has got to do with God. It's got nothing to do with us. Oh, I wish somebody can understand. That is why David understood this very well in Psalm 23. He said he did all these things for his name's sake. So you have to understand that God created you with his interest in mind. In Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse number 3, it says, I mean, blessed be the God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who chose us in himself. The word chose there, the Greek word is the word behave, simply means there is something that God has put inside of you that he's choosing back when he saves you. So in other words, when God saves us, he saves us for his sake. He protects us from all things for his, whenever God protects us, he protects us not because for our sake. He protects us because he has his interest in us. 
take the life of Moses. The Bible says when all men or male children were killed, Moses was protected. How? Because God wanted a deliverer for the children of Israel. So when God, when everything was going wrong, God made the point that he protects who? Moses, because God, I mean, Moses was God's interest to deliver the children of Israel. So whenever God protects you from whatever sickness, from whatever disease, from whatever, I mean, accident, it's not so much about you, but it's about the, his interest that is inside of you. He's fighting for that which he wants because he can never allow you to go down until you do what you were born to do, what you were created to do, until you do that which God put inside of you, which, by the way, nobody else can do but you. That what you can do, nobody else can do. You are so unique. You are so different that nobody can do what you can do. Everybody can sing, but nobody can sing like you. Everybody can talk or teach, but no one can teach like you. Everybody can lead, but nobody can lead like you because you are unique. God has put you to be that person and your leadership impacts other people that we ourselves cannot impact. If we can understand that, that whenever God does something, he doesn't do it for us protects his interest in us. Look at the person next to you and say, you are available in the eyes of God. So never then allow people's opinion about you to be your, your reality. Am I talking about people here? People can think certain things about you, but it doesn't mean that is it should be a reality. In fact, I've noticed one thing, that people can be so wrong about you. <clears throat> I don't know, I'm talking alone here. People can be so wrong about you. Take the life of Joseph. Joseph, Joseph's siblings or brothers, when they looked at Moses, I mean Joseph, they thought, oh my goodness, look at this dreamer. Are you there? The Egyptians, when they met with Joseph, they saw a slave that they can buy. Potiphar, when he saw Moses, I mean, when he saw Joseph, he said, here's a good servant that can minister in my house. Potiphar's wife, when she saw Joseph, said, what a handsome lover. The jailer, when he looked at Joseph, he said, what a, an interpreter of dreams. And you look at all those things, not even one of them was right. Because when God looked at Joseph, he saw a prime minister. We don't know what God is seeing when he looks at you. So never allow people's opinion of you become your reality. Sometimes people can try to define you by where you come from. In the book of Jez I mean the book of Judges chapter 11, we read of a man by the name of Jephthah. The Bible says this man was a son of Gilead. And being a son of Gilead, but he was born by a harlot. And when Gilead got married, had children by this woman, the Bible says when children grew up, they started looking at Jephthah and they said, we don't want you. We don't like you because your mother is a harlot. 
And the Bible says they rejected. They said you are not going to have part in our father's inheritance because your, fa your mother is a harlot. Can you imagine this young man doesn't know? He didn't choose his parents. People sometimes can want to label you by where you come from as if you chose the parents. Oh, am I talking to the right people here? Some people can want to identify or maybe to, to, to explain you by where you come from. Listen to me, where you come from, how you were born, is none of anybody's business. The fact that you are born, God had a plan with your life. The fact that you are protected shows that God had a plan with your life. Listen to me, how you were born, whether you were born at the backseat of a car, that has got nothing to do with God's purpose. Because God's purpose is, God will make you a great person no matter where you were born. This man, Jephthah, the Bible says, he was born of a harlot. And they chased him out. And the Bible says he went out to the country. When he was out there, he met worthless men. People who are useless. Guess what? Those worthless men, the Bible says, they came to Daphne and they said, can you become our leader? Now this guy is a guy who has been rejected by other people. But I love what the word of God says. When the Bible says, in verse number one, it says, God, when he saw Daphne, he said, a man of violence. Listen to me, people can label you no matter how they label you, but when God looks at you, he sees a man, he sees a woman of God, he sees a powerful man or a powerful woman of God, because no matter what people say, I am here to tell you today, to remind you that you've got to believe the, the, the report of the one who created you, who brought you to this world. The Bible says when they threw him out, he met, he met worthless men. They came to him. And he said, can you please fight with us? And he formed a powerful army out of those worthless people. To the point that his name became famous around. At, at some stage, the, 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 the Israelites were going to fight with the, the Amnon. The Bible says when they, 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 they realized that they were going to fight with this guy, they were going to fight with these people. They didn't know, they didn't have all the right stuff to fight these people. The Bible says they went back to Jephthah. They have heard that this man was so powerful, he had formed a powerful army out of worthless people. They went back. The very same people who had chased him out. The very people who never saw greatness in him. They had to go back to him and say, can you please and become our commander? I like what the Bible says. It says, Jephthah at this time didn't just submit. He had to call the shots. He had to tell them, tell them his terms. He had to put his terms. He says, I can only become a commander because if you want me, if you can do one, two, three. If you allow me to lead you first. Listen to me. Those who are rejecting you, they do not know that they're rejecting their leader. At some stage, the, people, the, the brothers of Joseph rejected him. They sold him out. They didn't know that they were rejecting somebody who's going to save them down the line. Oh, am I talking to the right people here? So never allow people's opinion of your life, of you, become your reality. Because if you succumb to that, you will be losing out to what God wants to make out of you. What God wants to do through you. Are you there? I'm still trying to go through my introduction. Words are very dangerous. The danger is, if you believe those words that people are saying about you, it can destroy 
that which God has put inside of you. If you start to believe the words that people say about you, it can kill the dream that God has put inside of you. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh, so is he. What you believe about yourself, what you decide to, to believe will make you or break you. Are you there? So words are very important when we talk. Oh, maybe I need to just a little bit focus on this for two, for two minutes, if you allow me to do that, for two minutes. If you believe the words that are spoken over your life, they can either build you or destroy you. I made a little of research some time back, and they say hey, for every negative word, that you hear and you believe it. Or maybe I should put it this way. Every negative word spoken over a child, you need 72 positive words to erase that one negative word. The power of negative words. That is why, maybe talk a little bit to parents here, that be careful of what you say to your children. That is why it's important also how you name your children. It's very important, no matter how angry you are, be very careful what you say out of your mouth because the words that you say can make or break your child. I'm all the time reading, I always read, I once read about this person who said, I became what I am today because of what my grandmother used to say to me. This man is a mighty man of God. And he says, I used to come home and I would be drunk and I would be all these things. But every time my grandmother would sit me down and she would relate what happened at church. And she would always talk to me like she's talking to a preacher. He says, every time, and I would feel so annoyed because I hated this church thing. But every time she would come and talk about how great a man of God I am. And, every, and she says, I would do bad things on purpose, wanting to annoy her. But every time, every time, she never, she said, never. And every time, whenever she talks to me, at the end, she would always say, I'm still praying for you. And today, this man of God, he says, today I am where I am, and I serve because my grandmother spoke positive words, even when situations were not allowing her to. What words do you speak over your, the life of your children? What words do you say when you see negative things happening over your child? Words are very, very important. I remember some, some time back, they told me when I was young that I was not going to be able to speak uh, or go through school actually, and as a result, forget about learning other languages, including English, and I'm not going to be able to be anything in life because I had a problem with my mind, my mind of concentration and all that. It was long before I got, gave my life to Christ. When I got saved, I read the scripture in Peter that says, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. And I decided to believe that word. 
And when that word was spoken, I, when I read that word and I said, am I healed also? I remember the Lord saying to me, yes, if you believe it. And I took that word and I said, I am healed by the name of Jesus. And guess what? After I believed that, I started working and behaving and walking and doing things like a person who never had any problem. And guess what happened? That little problem that was on my way was erased because I believed what I had. I started believing this word that was spoken over my life through the word, through the Bible. And as a result, to cut a long story short, I was able to finish my high school. I was able to do some other degrees. I was able to learn other languages. Here I am today. I'm speaking in English because I decided to believe the word that was spoken over my life. Words that are spoken over your life can make you or break you. Let me come to some sensitive issues. Some of you, you were told that the disease that you have, you inherited it from your parents. And as a result, you have so much believed in that that you are diabetic because your parents were diabetic. You so much believe that whatever sickness that you're going through right now is because you inherited it from your parents. The prophecy you believe is the prophecy you receive. Oh, am I talking to the right people here? I feel like I'm just moving away from this place and just talk to you for a little while. Because some of you are seated here, you are. There's one thing that I was told when I grew up. I was told that my parents died out of glaucoma. They had glaucoma and then I must have a glaucoma also. I remember my brother saying to me, you need to go and check with the doctor because you probably have glaucoma in your system because our parents used to have it. And I looked at him and I said, yes, our parents had it, but I am a child of God. I am born again. The curse was kept when I gave my life to Christ. That won't happen. And I remember insisting and he said, you need to go because here you are. Once you reach 40, you definitely must be having it. Just to, to prove to him that I am a child of God, I am not going to have glaucoma. When I was 45, I said, I'm going to wait for five years. When I was 45, I went for a checkup and they didn't find any glaucoma. I remember when I, when I was 50, turning 50, I said, I need to go back and check so that my brother can believe that I am a child of God. At 50, they checked, they said, I don't have anything. What am I trying to say? That whatever you believe, whatever word you believe is what is going to happen to you. I'm talking to somebody right here. It's about time that you understand that you are of a different race. You were bought with a price. You brought the price when Jesus died on the cross. Listen to me. What you are bought with is not equal diamond or gold. It's above that. Because Jesus gave his life for your life. What you are bought of is so expensive that there is no sickness that can challenge that if you believe that you are born, we are bought with a price. The blood of Jesus worth more than anything. I am here to tell you today that if you start to believe right now, God is going to heal you right now, not tomorrow. Now. Because what you believe is what you receive. You know why you're not receiving it? James says the double-minded person will receive nothing from God. Right now as I talk, some people are saying, mm -mm, he's from Africa, he doesn't know. I know I've seen God healing people. Mom and dad know. My wife was diagnosed with cancer. And it was at a very advanced stage. It was just about to kill her. When we left this country, going back, she was actually going home to get, to get buried. Because cancer just, you know, it was all over the body. 
And while she was going through that, I remember when he got home, she had to go for surgery. And then after surgery, I mean, um, um, after surgery, then they, she had to go for chemo. She went for her first treatment. She was so skinny and she, we were just ready to bury her. I mean, here I am, I'm taking her. I mean, she was, not, she, she was so weak that she couldn't even go to church. So I had every Sunday rush to church, go and see that the church is going okay, come back home and see that she's okay because even going to the bathroom, she had to be helped. Everybody thought, oh yeah, she's going to die. You know in Africa what they say when you're sick that way? I said, what was she going to? What was she going to do in the U.S.? Yeah, she is, she's coming back now. She is HIV positive. She's gotten it from the free U.S. She's going to come and die here. I remember this Sunday, the, she, she had done the, the, first chemo, the first chemo, and then she was going for a second chemo. It was on a Sunday. She was supposed to go on a Monday, and it was on a Sunday. I came back from church, and here I am rushing home. And I got home. I found my wife sitting on the, on the, in the dining room, and she's sitting there. And I said, how did you get here? She said, no, I got here because the Lord has healed me. And I looked at her, and I said, no, you, know, you, you know you preach something. Sometimes you preach some stuff, and then you don't believe it. I looked at her and said, yeah, my dear, you know, but she said, I'm not going for chemo, by the way, to the following day. I looked at her right in the eyes and said, yeah, you know, my love, yes, you know, we are, you are healed. You know, I believe God has healed you. But, you know, once you say but, you cancel everything that you said before. I said, yeah, 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 but, you know, but why don't you just, why don't you just go? And, and she said, I am not going for chemo because the Lord has healed me. I remember um, the lady who was helping, of course, who was working with her at the hospital, a physician that I was working with, she was in our church. I, I had to call her. I said, Ninel, I have a problem. Uh, 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 your, 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 your mother here doesn't want to go for chemo the following day. I mean, can you please just do something? Talk to her. You know, as a doctor, probably she's going to listen to you. And she picked up, she called, she spoke to her, and she said, I'm not going because the Lord has healed me. <laughs> She didn't go that Monday. She stayed for the whole week. Then we had to call, talk to her and say, okay, then just go and make a checkup. You know, you need to do. She said, I can do checkups. It's not a problem. I can do for checkup. So I can see for you guys, I believe that God is, has healed, started healing me. Because the Lord visited me while you were gone at church. She started saying some things. She says, the Lord visited me and the Lord said these words. She didn't even know that those words are in the Bible. She says, the Lord said to me, you shall not die, you will live. She said, because the Lord has said it, I decided to believe those words. I'm not going to believe whatever they're telling me. To cut a long story short, when my wife went back after a month to check cancer, they put her through all the tests. They couldn't find even one cancer cell in her body. She was healed, and now it's over 15 years. She is cancer-free because she believed the world. Look at the person next to you and say, what, whose word are you going to believe? <laughs> I 
I know sometimes we have a problem because we have the, all these voices that are talking. You know, all these professional terms that are said to us. As some say, they said to my son, he's HDDI, whatever, all those terms. And they said he needs a medication. I said, oh, he's not going to be on medication. He's going to be okay. Guess what? My son is fine. He doesn't need medication to be straightened out. I am here to tell you that they will confuse you with all those terms. I'm here to tell you that if you believe what God is saying in his word, God will bring healing to your life. God will bring completeness in your life because you are important to God. You can never live this life until God says it's time for you to leave. Stay put. Believe God's word. You are somebody. Walk straight. Believe what God is saying. As I come to a close, I want just to say a few things from Nehemiah chapter number four. How do you overcome all these kind of noise and voices that are speaking and telling you that you are a nobody? That are telling you that you'll never succeed. That are telling you that you are where you are. You know, people of your caliber have di long died. How do you overcome all that? In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah, was asked, Nehemiah wanted to go and build the walls of Jerusalem. And as he started building the walls, the Bible says Tobias and all his friends, they came, which, which became, who actually were the enemies of Israel. The Bible says they came and spoke some words that are discouraging Nehemiah together with his team. They said all negative words to Nehemiah. They said, you know, whatever these guys are trying to build, even a, a jackal can stand on those walls, they're going to fall. They said they're not going to succeed in whatever they are doing. Man, the words that were spoken to them were words that were discouraging. Am I talking to the right people here? How many of you have you been to a situation where you're trying to do some, something and somebody comes and he says you can never do it? You, you are not capable of doing it. Who do you think you are? Where do you think you'll get the strength from? They tell you all the negative. They tell you how it cannot be done. When you, in your heart, you feel like, I want to do this. Sometimes when you're a student, they tell you that that subject is so hard. No one ever passed it well. You know, people will all say all negative words. Now, just like in the case of Nehemiah, they were speaking all negative words. But how did Nehemiah overcome the negative words? The Bible says, when you read verse number four, he called unto the Lord. He said, God, this is what is happening. I am here to tell you today that the only best way to overcome negative words that are spoken over your life is through prayer. Get on your knees. Talk to your father who understands you better. Listen to me. Your friend may never understand you at some times. Even your parents who brought you to this world may not understand you at times. But I'm telling you, I'm standing here to tell you that there is one person who understands you better than even how you understand yourself. And his name is Jesus. He died for you. You need to get on your knees and call to his, call out his name and he will hear you. You are his. He cares about you. Never want to fight things with your own smartness, your own books, whatever, your argument. Listen to me, arguing sometimes will put you in trouble because it will put some anger inside of you. But if you go to God, God will fight battles for you. But there's one thing that I like about God. God will never get into your battle until you invite him. Prayer is actually, the word prayer simply means you are giving God permission to fight on your behalf. But God can never fight until you invite him into your life. 
Do you know why God cannot fight you until you invite him? Because God, when he put man on earth, he did not put him a robot that he can control. He says, I've given you all authority. So the authority is with you. But for me to act on earth, I need you to give me permission. So how do you do God? How do you give God permission? By prayer. Look at the person next to you and say, prayer is important. You need to talk to God every time. You don't only have to talk to God when it is devotion time. Talk to God when you, whether you are in your car. Talk to God whether you are in a store. Talk to God when you wake up in the morning. Talk to God when you are around the table. Talk to God when you walk down the aisle. Talk to God even when you are in the bathroom. Talk to God anytime. When you talk to your father, you don't need a permission. You don't need an appointment. You just walk in and say, Daddy, I'm here. Have you ever seen Chris wanting to, or, or wanting to see Bishop and he says, Bishop, can I set, set up an appointment? I want to come and talk to you at 10 o'clock. Does he do that? No, he just walks in. He says, Dad, I'm here. Because that's his dad. Why do you have only to talk to God when you have set up appointments? Why can't you talk to God anytime? We have made prayer such a religious thing. Remember, religion, God is not involved in religion. You know what religion is? Man trying to understand God. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. I talk to him, he talks back to me. So God longs for your fellowship through prayer, through praise. Remember, you're doing everything for him. The second thing that I see, what they did, if you verse I mean, Nehemiah chapter 4, if you go down on verse number 10, I mean, it says, when the enemies realized that these guys were praying, in fact, after prayer, you'll realize that people got the energy to build. After Nehemiah and his gang started praying, they started getting energy to build. Now the enemy said, wow, we have sent some threats to these guys, but they still are continuing with the building. Guess what they did? Verse number 10 says, they again threatened them, but this time they didn't only speak once. The Bible says they spoke 10 times negative words to them, understanding the power of repetition. The enemy understands the power of repetition. When people say things about you, even if you were not that, you start to behave like them. Ah, you didn't get that. You, you missed out. You missed that one out. When people start to say, you are so stupid, and you hear it over and over again, guess what? You start to behave like stupid people. Because the enemy understands the power of repetition. Are you here? He said that, the Bible says, they said that over and over and over again. How do you deal with that kind of a situation? How do you counteract that kind of an attack? 
How do you overcome that those voices that are saying so many things that you cannot make it? You were never, you were poor, you come from a background that is poor, which actually most of us, we end up behaving like that. You are from poor family, background, you are a black man, you can never be amount to anything. You start to believe that because you hear it over and over. How do you counteract that? Let's look at, into what Nehemiah did. The Bible says, Nehemiah formed, <laughs> before I get there, Nehemiah reminded the people what the word of God is saying about them. He reminded the people where coming from. He reminded the people of, about God. I'm here to tell you that. When you hear those words over and over again, what you need to do is to remember whose you are. And don't only remember that, but speak it out. Go to the word of God and find your identity. Find who you are from the word of God. God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse number 8. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Meditate on the word meditate means oh, think about it over and over again. Meditate on it day and night so that your ways can be prosperous. I am here to say to you, the more you hear the word of God, the more confident you are, no matter what the enemy says about you. The more you hear who you are, when you remember and read scriptures like you are more than a conqueror, listen to me, when the enemy comes like a flood, God will raise your standard. When you hear what God has done for you, when you read verses like the one who is inside of his more is more powerful than the one who is in the world, you'll start to raise your head. Paul talking to Timothy, he says to Timothy, don't forget the scriptures that you grew by. Read the scriptures because the scriptures will remind you of your salvation will remind you of what God has done for you. I am here to say to you, my brother, my sister, the word of God will always cancel every negative word that the devil is putting into your, out into your life. Oh, am I talking to the right people here? Wow. The other thing that I want to close up with, oh, that's my second closing. Greater is he that is inside of you. Remember, you are very valuable. Remember, you were born for a purpose. Are you here? The last thing that I realized that they did here was they didn't only just remember who they are. The Bible says Nehemiah started forming the groups. He formed the groups. He said, as groups, you are going to work. And they had a a, a tool on one hand while they had a sword on another hand. In other words, he says to them, while we are working in groups, 
don't forget the word of God while you are building your life. The second thing they had to work in groups. Groups are very important. You know how the enemy gets some of you? It's because he makes you to be an island. No man, no woman was created to be an island. If the enemy wants to kill you, he takes you away from everybody. That is why when people go through depression, they don't want anybody. It's the enemy's way of trying to get you out of people. Because he knows once you're with groups, if you're with your brothers and your sisters, they will not stand, they will pray with you, they will take you out of the situation. They are not going to allow you to go down. So whenever you feel like I want to be alone, it must be a time when you say, that's the enemy technique of trying to kill me. Where are my brothers? Where are my sisters? Never allow yourself to be alone. That is why we have ministries. That's why we have home cells. That's why on Sundays we come to church. Never allow yourself to be at home. On Sunday you feel like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm out. I don't want to meet with anybody. I don't even want to go to church. Whenever you feel like, I don't want to go to church, that's the time to go to church. Whenever you feel like, I don't feel like going to a home cell, it's a time to go to a home cell. Because the enemy knows exactly once you meet with your brothers and sisters, you're going to gain your strength. Teams are very important. Are you there? Teams are very important. So that we fellowship together. The Bible says two are better than one. Two are better than one. Because when the other one falls, the other one will lift him up. When you're alone, there's a problem. Amen. Don't forget that in Philippians chapter number one, verse number six. The Bible says, he who began a good work in you will make it that it comes to an end. So nobody can take your life until God says it's time. Stay put in whatever God has called you to be. Even if you feel like, I don't feel like going, I don't feel like, listen, your steps are ordered by the Lord. Whenever God has commanded you to go, nobody will stop what God has purposed with your life. God will bring it to completion. So never be discouraged anymore. Never say, I'm going to give away. I'm going to give up with this whole thing of faith. I'm no more going to give my life to Christ. I'm, I'm no more going to serve the Lord. No, no. It's about time that you serve the Lord because your hand, everything is in the hands of God. There's one thing that we need to understand. As I, as I said, there's, there's one thing that we need to understand. That God allows situations to happen to us for his purpose to be born in us. Because you never get lemonade until you squeeze the lemon. Are you there? In life, you've got to learn to turn your stumbling block to a stepping stone. In life, whenever situations come that are blowing and beating you about, just smile and say, God, what are you birthing out of me? Because I know that out of that, God is going to birth something that is great. 
Your going down doesn't mean you're defeated. Your going down means I'm just going to get more strength. I'm going even going to be more higher, more powerful. So you are called to a destiny. I am here to tell you that you're protected by God. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. God has started a good job in your life. No one will bring it to an end. But you just have to stay put in Christ. Because once you move out of Christ, that's where danger is. Some of you have decided to shift from the Lord. Can you come back to Christ and say, Christ, I need you in my life. Because whatever is happening to you, God knows about it. And God will protect you. God will bring you up again. May God bless you.